I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, May 4th. Politico reported that the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision protecting reproductive rights, that according to a draft majority opinion circulated inside the court. To the American people, I say this. The elections this November will have consequences because the rights of 100 million women are now on the ballot. Political columnist Greg Hines from the Crane's Chicago Business Newsroom on reaction among Illinois politicians. Well, it's it's very strong, Amy, um, uh, on both sides of the aisle. Do you get the sense that this issue will take a more central role in upcoming election messaging? This has the potential uh, for the Democrats. I think they smell it. Uh, to uh, fire up their base and get them to turn around in the midterm election cycle, in which they were, uh, by most perspectives, losing pretty badly. Uh, if there's anything that will get Democrats to turn out, this is it, because it has implications not only with abortion, but to read the language of, the, of uh, this proposed decision carefully, uh, things like uh, contraception, gay marriage, uh, interracial marriage, lots of other kinds of things. On the Republican side, the reaction is, Hey, it's about time. Roe is a terrible decision. Interestingly, though, there are some subtle differences that have popped up amongst the uh, Republican candidates for governor. Gary Rabine and uh, Jesse Sullivan are saying, yeah, yeah, this is great. Should have happened a long time ago. Uh, Darren Bailey, who's generally considered the most conservative of them, describes himself as, as pro-choice. But in his statement, he outlined some things that he would do that might be more practicable. The, in Illinois, they get through a Democratic legislature, things like uh, uh, requiring parental notice, ending taxpayer for abortion, funding for abortion. He doesn't flatly across the board say, ah, this is great, it's wonderful, we have to happen. He seems to be kind of winking uh, to the public that the, the pro-life committee knows, that, uh, knows where I am and they'll have my back so I can soften my rhetoric a little bit and try to appeal to people in the middle. The most interesting reaction it's from uh, Aurora Mayor uh, Richard Urban, arguably the front runner in the race. He's got all this money from Ken Griffin. He's insane a damn thing. Nothing. And apparently he's not gonna. Uh, and the, uh, the excuse is that, oh, this is only a, uh, a, a tentative uh, uh, idea here. Uh, this isn't the final decision. We'll comment when there is a final decision. Uh, my translation of that is he's trying to walk a very narrow line. Uh, uh, Mr. Urban, the reason Ken Griffin is backing him is he has general election appeal to moderates and some Democrats uh, that some of these other Republicans don't. <clears throat> but first, he's got to make his way through the Republican primary. So, uh, so by saying nothing, he's not offending anybody. Uh, but the, the risk there is he's not going to make any friends either. But that's what they've decided to do, apparently. But whole generations of people in this country have, uh, have made their life decisions. They've chosen their career path based on certain rights they thought they had. And if those rights are not going to disappear, that's going to be very important to a lot of people. Yeah. So this is not a transitory issue. This is going to stick around for quite a while. We'll see if the court actually does what uh, this decision suggests they're going to do. Uh, until they do it, they haven't done it. Right now, my initial indication is this, this takes precedence over all the other things that we're talking about. This goes to the head of the list. As far as you've heard, are any politicians commenting on Illinois as a reproductive access safe haven state right now? Yeah, I mean, that's 
J.B. Pritzker, Governor Pritzker's uh, answer that uh, had we in Illinois, we had a hunch this was coming, so we passed a law a year ago, and I signed it to guarantee abortion rights. This is the only state in the Midwest that currently has such a uh, such a policy on the books. So if you follow this out the way the politics seems to be going, this could be kind of the only uh, the only island for people that uh, want abortion rights in a, in, a, in a red sea around us. Pritzker sees that as a winning issue for him both morally and politically. So he's going to talk about it a lot. Because Illinois has long been an abortion-friendly state. Crane's healthcare reporter, Katherine Davis, on how overturning the law could impact Illinois healthcare providers. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the Illinois Reproductive Health Act in 2019, essentially making abortions um, and other reproductive care a fundamental right in Illinois. And that definitely makes us an outlier from some of our neighbors like um, Indiana, Iowa, Wisconsin, etc. And many women from those states have already been coming to Illinois for reproductive care, uh, many of them going to, to Planned Parenthood uh, clinics uh, and other providers around the state. I spoke with the CEO of Planned Parenthood of Illinois this morning, Jennifer Welch, and she was telling me that, you know, the, the news that Roe v. Wade may be overturned was, was pretty devastating for her and, and the organization. We are not surprised by this. We have been expecting it for a long time, and we have been preparing for it for a long time. We are devastated, we are disappointed, but we're not surprised. You know, they were seeing many patients already coming from places like Indiana and Wisconsin, and to help serve those out-of-staters better, Planned Parenthood was actually opening clinics um, on the borders, um, on the borders, you know, of of Illinois and other states, uh, ensuring that those trips for women coming here could be shorter um, and you know could get care quicker and in a more convenient way. For many years, approximately 5% of our patients were coming from neighboring states. We have seen that percentage double in the last year, just about, um, since the Texas SBA ban came into place. We've seen that grow to as much as 10%. We track it every single month and we've seen it grow to as much as 10%. So we are already seeing an increase of patients from out of state. You know, based on what we're likely to see with this growing demand for abortions and other reproductive health care in Illinois, it's it's really likely that, you know, new providers are, are going to get into this space. You know, I think from a business perspective, you know, there's certainly going to be a growing market here for reproductive services. And so, you know, that could mean new healthcare clinics popping up. It could also mean that more traditional providers um, and big health systems expand their their reproductive or abortion services, either double down on marketing um, or, you know, just hire more folks to actually provide that sort of care. But I, I think we're certainly in for an expansion of reproductive services in Illinois. A Fulton Market developer tees up a big River West project. More on this story and our weekly chat with David Manilow on the business of dining after a break. (music) 
In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. David Manilow is back for our weekly conversation about the business of food, the joy of eating, and the challenges of working in the service industry. So this week, David, we're talking about restaurants and other things that are along the Elston Industrial Corridor. We've talked about a lot of places that are concentrated kind of downtown, but turns out there's a lot going on in that area. Tell me about it. And it's still kind of a hidden area. I mean, there's people who know about it and there's people who have no idea it exists. And there's restaurants and entertainment venues and things like that. And so the restaurant I, I first started going to there was Ada Street years ago. And Ada Street is actually on Ada. So Elston Industrial Corridor, you go in and kind of maybe off of Willow, which is about 1750 North. And then there's Willow, there's uh, Wabanzia, and there's Ada Street. And Ada Street, a lot of people, when it first opened, you couldn't even necessarily find the entrance. And if you did, you'd walk down this long, dark corridor and you'd have no idea where you were. So it's kind of this, this really hidden, almost exciting place to go. And then it opens up this restaurant and bar. And it's just a really, you know, it's a really lovely spot and great energy and fun crowd, good drinks. The food runs from like, you know, gnocchi and orchietti. They have whip burrata and steak tartare and really good branzino. Lots of good music, fun cocktails, you know, things that have interesting ingredients and interesting names like the night me and your mama met, which I kind of like, (laughs) which is dark rum. I actually went there the other night because I hadn't been there since before COVID and I just wanted to taste test again and see what's going on. And uh, I met a woman next to me, Lo, shout out to Lo, who told me that she wants to bring the piston spitter back, which is another cocktail made from she said it shouldn't work but it does mezcal ancho reyes which is kind of like a really spicy liqueur a raspberry essence and house-made root beer bitters so this is the kind of stuff they do very creative but it's not a pretentious spot it's a great date spot it's a, it's a lively fun place so i really like it so when we're talking about the elston industrial corridor kind of what was the first spot that started drawing other places there is that hideout? Absolutely the hideout. The hideout has been there forever. And the hideout is this, depending on who you talk to, either like the greatest like dive bar in the world or a place where people go and go like, yeah, it's just not for me. But it is just like an old house, I think. You'll order some Bud Light at the bar. You'll go back and see some live entertainment. Great music. Billy Corgan played there. Tweety's played there. Nico Case. Pick your people. You know, they'll have like news programs on, maybe some poetry, all kinds of interesting events. My old friend Mark Bazer has been doing the interview show monthly there for like 12 years, right? It's a really, really interesting spot. Um, And then DMK Group, which is David Morton, DM, Michael Cornick, MK, opened Ada Street years ago. And it was kind of like, you know, it's it's, a, it's clearly a destination spot. And that area is really, it's kind of, it's along the north branch of the Chicago River, but it's, it is completely industrial. I think they used to have the, the, the fleet of Chicago trucks just parked there. There was nothing there. Um, and then when they opened Ada Street, 
Uh, I don't know if it put it on the map or not, because I still think there's a lot of people that don't know that this area exists. Um, and then they open a place called Fort Willow. Fort Willow um, is actually on Willow, right down the street from the hideout. And Fort Willow is now, because they sold it, is now Hanaki, which is a Japanese, both omakase upstairs and an izakaya which is a Japanese pub downstairs. And I can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So DMK have sold both of the restaurants. They're in this area. They're, they're kind of pioneers. They sold Ada Street to their general manager, a guy named Scott Kale, and they sold Fort Willow to a group that has now opened Hinaki, which is Omakase upstairs, Izakaya downstairs. I went to the Izakaya, uh, the four of us went. Uh, and it's a it's a really tasty spot. Same thing. It's a Fort Willow was like I think it was like a treehouse. So there's this huge sculpture of a tree as you walk in. Same thing, kind of hidden place. We watched people like not be able to find the entrance, um, but they have a lot of shared plates uh, and and donberry bowls and sushi. And the shared plates we had were really good. with some Japanese eggplant and chicken karage, which is it's basically Japanese fried chicken. And then we had some lamb gyoza, which is like uh, dumplings. The only gripe I have with the restaurant is it's shared plates. There's four of us and three dumplings came. Okay. I don't know what to do with that. And I do kind of have a mantra when I go out to eat. I don't, I don't really want to have to work it too much. I don't want to have to figure things out. I don't want to have to do math. But I do wonder symbolically about a restaurant when, when I understand sometimes odd numbers look better on a plate. I get it. But you do have an opportunity, I think, to, you know, upsell a fourth. Sure. A fourth dumpling, which I'm happy to do. And I will go well played to you if you do, or at least alert us. So we, when we do that, we have to, we don't have to try to figure out who's going to get the half. And there was a part of me, the server was very nice, but it's like, you know, maybe it's my kind of like being at a high school dance and standing in the corner. It's like, is he saying one of us is not dumpling worthy? I don't know. Is that possible? You will not have the dumpling tonight? I, I mean, I, I I don't know. But other than that, it was a fine place. Down the street, also, you know, kind of going past restaurants, is uh, Local Foods. And Local Foods is a really charming, small grocery store where everything is locally sourced uh, as much as they can, I should say. It's owned by the same people who own um, Mighty Vine, the tomato. I don't know if you know Mighty Vines, where it's just kind of like they're made in the big um, greenhouse, actually, in uh, Rochelle, Illinois. And you find them at Whole Foods and Local Foods and Jewel and other places. Um, but it's a really good place, if you've never been to Local Foods, just to do some shopping. Um, Butcher and Lardner, which is a kind of a butcher shop, is within there. So you can get really good um, meats and things like that. What else can people look for in that area? We talked about the hideout a little bit, but I think the big thing that's coming is the Salt Shed, which is a huge music venue that's taking over the old Morton Salt facility. And I guess it's not just music, but it's a, just kind of like this enormous um, multi-concepted uh, area. And that's down the street on Elston. So that's about four blocks south. It's it partnered with the folks uh, 16 on Center done uh, Empty Bottle and Thalia Hall. And so they have a lot of music cred. And it's opening this summer in early August. And they have really great acts. It's outdoors. And acts are, you know, Fleet Foxes, I think, is opening. Uh, Mount Joy is already sold out. I have my tickets to Courtney Barnett in August. I don't even know much about Courtney Barnett, but I figured if it's a new music venue and it's not 
you know, it's fairly locally uh, accessible for people who live in, in that part of town. I'll go and hang out uh, for an afternoon in August and listen to some rock and roll. Yeah, it's I mean, I think that whole area is going to look so different just in, in a few years. I mean, it's going to be like, I don't know, necessarily know the volume of, of Fulton Market, but it certainly is going to be one of those kind of things where every time I go to Fulton Market, I feel like there's something new to see. And I feel like mm. that strip will be the same way for a while. Well, that whole Lincoln Yards thing is not far away. I think you're right. I mean, I don't know much about real estate development, but I will say this is an area that is is in the high growth list because that Lincoln Yards is enormous. And this is, you know, Elston, there's been, you know, just a smattering of stuff there for for a while. And now there's there's going to be big. I mean, when you really look at it, it was Morton Salt, right? And then you had, I think, Finkel's. Finkel's was the big steel. And that's what Lincoln Yards is. So they're taking these enormous former either factories or, you know, whatever Martin Salt was, distribution center or wherever they made the salt, I guess, and just turning them into living and entertainment and outdoor um, venues. So it should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think the the salt location is going to be very, very cool. A couple last things. They actually have considered changing the name from uh, Noble Square, which I think it's officially these places are in Noble Square because there's no official Elston Industrial Corridor to the Salt District. Sure. Let's let's go with that. Not bad. I mean, I lived on, uh, I used to live on right when Clybourne and I wanted to change the neighborhood to um, Costco Village, but nobody else did. <laughs> I like that. That works. Because people know exactly where you're talking about. If you say Thank that. you. That's what I said. The real estate, the real estate people were kind of like, yeah, never say that again. <laughs> Let's not speak of this. All right. Well, David, what's coming up in the week ahead? Uh, you know what I think we're going to talk about? And it's getting to be warmer, I hope. There's, this is a, a drink that I don't know too much about, but um, I was just at Rum Fest over the weekend. And we're going to talk a little about rum with a actual local rum producer and a rum expert from Three Dots and a Dash. Oh, sounds very good. All right. Well, we will talk then. Thanks so much, David. Thanks, Amy. Coming up just two weeks after a 5% rate hike went into effect, State Farm is now looking to increase auto insurance prices in Illinois by another 3%. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Crane's Chicago business is pleased to announce its all-new Power Breakfast event series, featuring conversations with Chicago's power players, influencers, and policymakers. Join us on Tuesday, May 24th for this year's first installment featuring Samir Mayakar, Deputy Mayor of Economic and Neighborhood Development. Political columnist Greg Hines will talk to Chicago's chief business liaison about downtown recovery, attracting more business to the city, future opportunities, and more. To secure your seat, visit chicagobusiness.com slash events. You're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. Chicago developer Jeff Shapik has purchased the Salvation Army's main downtown campus in the River West neighborhood, a move that lines up with what could be a massive redevelopment of the property. Crane's Danny Ecker reported that a venture controlled by Shapik Partners bought the Salvation Army's longtime property along Grand Avenue between Des Plaines Street and Union Avenue, citing people familiar with the transaction. Ecker reported that the sale price wasn't immediately clear, but did cite sources with knowledge of the deal that said Shapik paid close to $25 million for the property, which the Salvation Army had owned since 1931 and most recently served as its family store and donation center, as well as an adult rehabilitation facility. 
facility. The source is familiar with the purchase, said Shapik intends to convert the six-story building into a hotel. Known for its high-profile projects in the Fulton Market District, Shapik Partners developed the Hoxton Hotel there and previously transformed a building in the neighborhood into the Soho House Hotel and Private Club. The Salvation Army put its property up for sale in 2019, framing it as an opportunity for a buyer to redevelop the site with a project as large as nearly 570,000 square feet, according to a marketing flyer from SVN Chicago Commercial, which brokered the sale to Shapek. In addition to the main building, the acquisition also includes property along Des Plaines Street with buildings that could be demolished to make room for a new larger development. The property, which is along the southern edge of the Ohio Street feeder ramp to the Kennedy, stands between the Fulton Market District and the 37-acre site along the Chicago River that's now home to the Chicago Tribune's Freedom Center printing plant. That parcel is owned by Irving, Texas-based Nexstar, which took over the property as part of its acquisition of Tribune Media in 2019, and is one of the three finalist properties that could be redeveloped with the city's first casino. The state of Illinois is putting another $84 million into the electric vehicle industry, this time buying electric school and transit buses, garbage trucks, and other public assets in an effort to reduce air pollution. Under a plan just announced by Governor J.B. Pritzker, about a third of the funding will go for public transit buses and commuter trains, and another third for all electric school buses. The remaining money will be split among various types of municipal trucks and delivery vehicles and electric charging infrastructure with the state keeping about 2% off the top for administrative costs. Crane's political columnist Greg Hines reported that the money is the state's remaining share of proceeds from a federal suit against Volkswagen, in which the automaker agreed to pay damages after being accused of installing devices in some diesel-powered vehicles intended to circumvent federal vehicle emission standards. Governor Pritzker said the money will speed up Illinois' transition to clean energy with a focus on accessible electric transit options. The Chicago area, Metro East near St. Louis, and Champaign, DeKalb, Winnebago, and Sangamon counties will get first dibs on the $84 million on the grounds that they were most impacted by Volkswagen's nitrogen oxide pollution. Just two weeks after a 5% rate hike went into effect, State Farm is now moving to raise auto insurance rates in Illinois by another 3%. Crane's Steve Daniels reported that the Bloomington-based insurance giant, which is by far the largest insurer of cars in the state, is joining other major industry players in reacting to higher claims costs with rapidly rising rates. According to filings with the Illinois Department of Insurance, the average policy premium will rise by nearly $60 a year with the two rate hikes. The latest increase takes effect on June 13th. As mentioned in a recent episode of the podcast, State Farm has been slower to increase prices in response to claims about inflation than its main rivals, Progressive, Geico, and Northbrook-based Allstate. Unlike those three, State Farm is a mutual insurer, meaning technically it's owned by its policyholders, so it's not subject to the same profitability pressures the other three face as publicly traded companies, or in Geico's case, as a unit of publicly traded parents. As Daniels also reported, more frequent rate hikes at smaller levels still add up to sizable increases. The two price increases combined at State Farm this year add up to 8%. Allstate in February raised its rates in Illinois by 12% on average. Geico, based in Maryland, is imposing a 6% increase effective at the end of this month, which follows a separate 6% boost late last year. Progressive, based in suburban Cleveland, hiked Illinois rates by 8 to 10% in February. 
That's Crane's Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's contributor, David Manilow. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.